And we got some changes today, but I'll, I'm, we're going to get into the changes in a minute. But the first thing I want to say is, what's up to my man Vance, aka Coach? What's going on, dog? Hey, what's going on? How y'all doing today? Yeah, I'm doing good. Doing good. Blessed, man. Also, want to bring my man Mike Alban, aka Albizi. What's up? What's up? Hey, look. So we got a new guy that's joining us for our second season. He, we have, he's decided to help us out. He's going to help us produce. His name is Everett. We're going to call him producer. Ev. What's up, producer? Ev? What's going on, guys? Hey, man, Hi. we're good. We are good. Hey, I'm going to be the first one to say this. I missed you guys, man. I missed y'all while we was gone. I'm going to go ahead and be sentimental off the break. I, I did a lot of stuff during this month, which we'll get into, but I was happy to come back and join today and just have this outlet with my boys and then even bringing in our producer Ed made me even more happy because I know that he can take care of the stuff that I am not good at doing so <laughs> now we're going to go ahead and start like we start every episode because here at Dad Mentality we believe that self-care is important it should be important to you because it is to us and we want to start with our self-care check-in who wants to start with the? Who wants to start first? Okay. I'll, I'll go. I'll be easy. Yeah. All right, go ahead. Give us your number. Let us know. One to ten. How you feel? For the week, I'm gonna go with eight. Good week. Everything's been going good. Things seem like they're turning around a little bit for me. So, no sports. So, got a little bit of a break. Starting to show back up. Everything's been good. Weather's getting nice. Yeah, I'm excited about the weather, man. I'm oh, yeah. excited. I'm excited about the weather for real. Even though it was windy as hell yesterday, I don't know what that was about. Yeah, but only for a little bit. That shit blew through after a couple hours. Okay, I'll go ahead and go after you and put mine in. So I, I like you. I'm a strong eight. So you know, it's a few things that start started of this new that started of this new season. Also. I've been starting to stream and play. That's something that me and you, Alvin, we do all the time. So if you want to catch the stream, it's on Twitch. You can look up the Beast One on Twitch. It's easy to find. All you got to do is put in the Beast One and you'll be there. I'll be recording usually Monday through Friday from 5 to 7. So I'm excited about that. But this week for work, we have our food show, which I'm extremely, that is, that to me is like the best week of work because for the food show we go, we have this huge vendor event. We have it at Maryland Live at a casino. We have this big dinner Monday night where the food is ridiculous, dog. They had a tomahawk rack of ribs. When I tell you, this joint looked like it weighed 120 pounds. Tomahawk steak rack of ribs. You just find out. Okay. 
You know what a tom you know how you go a tomahawk steak has the long, real long bone coming out of a ribeye. Right. Mm-hmm. So they had the entire rack. Because usually it's cut and you get just one, you know, you can get one tomahawk steak. But when you got the actual whole rib rack, the whole thing, it's about eight bones that is connected and it's all in one big ass giant. It's gotta weigh somewhere between it's almost it looks like half a cow. So is, is it like the uh, rack really they put on the piss down tire? It looks just like that. It's That's amazing. What it looks like. Exactly what it looks like. And it's crazy when they pull that thing out and they slice it, slice it up and everything. It, it, it's it's a vent for because I am a food vendor. So it's an event for food vendors. It's all kinds. They have all these stations where they even do sauteed scallops and they make bananas foster right in front of you in different stations. It's probably at least 150 people there, open bar. It's great time in a casino. So the food show is a great time. It's an easy week for me, work week for me, because everybody's just getting ready for the food show. So I don't have to do no. And then I invite all my customers up there and we have a great time. That's all I have to do is have a great time. Then for me this week is starting of track season. So my youngest is a elite track athlete at his age. He's been to the Junior Olympics. We are, we might be skipping it this year and waiting for next year because he'll be, he's in a new age group and he's only eight and he's running against nine or 10 year olds. So we, we, next year, we're probably going to do it next year more than this year. But I'm still excited about the track season. My son is that excellent athlete and I'm just happy to be there but we're also working on soccer and I know Vance you should be happy about this because I get to pull out my 30 year old soccer moves and teach this kid something that (laughs) we used to do back in the day believe it or not me and Vance played on many a soccer teams and uh, I say Vance was better than me I ain't gonna lie but I still was pretty decent I wasn't sloppy you know what I'm saying? But we, I'm excited that he wants to try soccer now, and, and we, I'm teaching him some new moves from the day. So I'm a strong eight. All right. So it's next. Yeah, man. Over the last week, I'm probably about a seven, seven and a half. Work has been trying over the last week. I had a pretty difficult work week. But outside of that, personal life has been like outstanding they've done everything from celebrate birthdays and so forth and also you know said just getting you know what I'm saying a wife's business floor pretty good over the last week we're midstream one of her ventures and speaking of soccer one of the ventures was teaching kids soccer this week actually like busting out them old moves, you know what I'm saying? You kind of realize that you're 45 and you can't necessarily maneuver the football as, you know what I'm saying, as well, or the soccer ball as, as, as we say here in America. But you can't maneuver your feet the same way at the age that we are. But we're still able to show, you know what I'm saying, the kids move and so forth. On the personal side, I would say nah, but you know what I'm saying, overall, I'm probably a seven because work is is pretty tough right now. 
other than that, you know what I'm saying? Um, looking forward to the week ahead. You know what I'm saying? Glad we back in the fold on recording and doing everything on the podcast. You know what I'm saying? Gives a good outlet for the week. You know what I'm saying? Looking forward to that. All right. Excellent. All right, Everett. We want to make sure that you do this every week with us, too, because it's important. Like I said, it's important. So tell us about your week. You got to give us a number between one, zero, and 10 and how you feel. So go ahead. I um, I think I'm feeling about seven, and it's not a bad seven. I'm taking on a lot of new adventures and going on different journeys now. Like our podcast? Yeah, like a bike podcast. Uh, there's one thing, though. I'm working on, Rodney, I have this conversation with you. I'm working on a couple of, I, of ideas for businesses. Personal things going on in my life. I'm just trying to get things in order and straight. Other than that, I'm in a really good spot. My, my job doing well. My family's healthy. My situation is pretty good. I have no complaints here. I don't really have nothing to deep dive into, but personally, mentally, everything's good. Seventh good number for me right now. Working to get it towards the eight or nine and just sticking one day at a time. Okay. All it's right. The, there you go. Hold on, Everett. Just to, I'm sorry to do this. I didn't tell you this before. We need to know so your personal life a little bit because we make a, our bands is our only single or dating friend in the group. So we do bring that up. So what do you categorize yourself? Are you single, dating, in a relationship, married, oh, no, full fledged relationship? I, I, I could not give any other answers. Just in case we need to, some people, some other people might want to update their numbers too, but we're going to keep it going. All right, so we're going to recap our month. So we had a full month off, fellas, and let's take our time to recap our month and talk about things that happened throughout the month while you were on vacation that may be different or you want to just discuss and go through. Who wants to go first? I go first on that. Month of March was pretty exciting. I guess you said beginning of the month, we, me and my wife, broke a record in getting our taxes done. We were actually done by the before the fifteenth. Oh, picture most people got that date coming up in the next couple of weeks. So that that was pretty record breaking. Um, or so the month. Started off said pretty well. We did not owe taxes, which was even better at the beginning. Yeah, huh? <laughs> yeah, I wasn't playing with them because last year they almost got me. But go ahead. Yeah, yeah man. So because if all you jokers, when we get back on the financial thing uh, in the weeks to come, just re- one of the topics will be: Hey, make sure you are adjusting your W fours accordingly because the new tax bracket will screw you up. But that was the start of the month. So we, we wanted to get that done early this year. We had waited until the last minute last year. So we try to get it out the way. And then so she has a program that she's running. It's running really well with younger elementary school kids. So that has been going really smooth over the last month. It was, it started towards the end of February, but it kind of, the month of March was really just, the kickoff and getting things going and getting the systems going. And that's been going really, really well. 
really exciting and refreshing to deal with some of the younger generation. Even though you have your own, it puts things in perspective of how many kids out there don't have the exact same, how can I say it, support is what we give our kids on this show. So it's really enlightening to, you know what I'm saying, help these kids out in their journey in life, even though they are ours. So that, that was a good thing. My daughter hit a milestone birthday. She turned 10 on the 22nd. Of course, all the money we got back on taxes got wasted at Great Wolf. We got wasted at Great Wolf Lodge in Williamsburg. Hold on, Alvin, uh, if you this, hold on. The budget master who talks about us and our budget, <laughs> he got his income taxes and it was gone. Who does he got? Budget, I, I ain't never say budget. Your taxes in your budget. So he's going to indoor ski park. Yeah, exactly. You're going to the kids' version of Dubai. Yeah, no, no, the kids' version of Dubai. Joke, man. It was, it was fun. It was exhausting. Hey, I would recommend it for anybody that has kids under, you know, what I'm saying the 11, 12 year old mark. Um, they, I mean, they just, they had a ball and we was on there. generated sweet? Cause I know they got like sweets where you can get like, like ridiculous things done. Like us in Wonderland or some BS. Nah, yeah, no, nah, we didn't go that hard, man. We went okay. to like bunk bed. We did get a, a suite with a bunk bed in it, which is pretty cool. Cause a lot of the suites are of course tailored to younger kids. And uh, that way the girls could do that. But they had everything in there from laser tag to bowling. You know what I'm saying? To arcades, you know what I'm saying? And then, and of course, water parks, wave pools, all of that stuff. So they wanted to, they spent a lot of the majority of the time in the water park. And they got on everything three, four, five, six, seven times in a row and could not sleep at all at night. But that's how most vacation goes with, go with kids. Every, it was just brutal. The overnight sleeping part was rough, but other than that, we had a ball out there. Um, then came back and had a had an Easter program last week. Daughter had her the youngest daughter, the six year old, had a dance. She danced in the Easter play, so that was her first dance. Did everything for her. So overall, the month was pretty fantastic. And then, of course, work just ruins thing, but you know what I'm saying? That's wild here. So that's my month of recap. Okay. Uh, Alvance? Oh my shit. I wanna be honest with you, I was short and sweet. Uh <laughs> the month off, I didn't do anything. I did the least amount possible. I just play video games with you pretty much every single night and and chillax, man. No sports. Sports were fucking killing me. But mm. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm going to be honest. Huh? Got any sports coming up? They start conditioning. My son starts getting ready for wrestling over the summer, and then the girls both have their cheer conditioning that they do all summer long as well. So they start that here in two months. So I'm good for the next two months. Oh, man. What about you? No no exciting new recipes? You ain't tried nothing new? You ain't done nothing? Did you work yeah, on them? Try, I try, you work I try, on them nasty grilled burgers that you're selling? Oh, 
Oh, he, I, first off, you didn't say they were nasty. You said they were dry. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah, ketchup. You fix them right up. Yeah. All right. Yeah, and, and second, I tried this new thing, which I don't know if y'all have tried it in a long time, but it's called a nap. Let oh, me yeah. tell you. <laughs> oh, you took one of the last episode. We don't That was past eight o'clock. That was sleep. That was sleep. I didn't wake up till the next morning. That was a full fledged. So y'all blowing me up saying, Yo, you, know, I got, I still, like, you know what, hey, producer Ed, man, let me tell you something. I have, you got to get our last episode and cut the part where Al Benz falls asleep and is snoring on the mic. So he was saying, he, first of all, he sat there and started watching Chicken Little. But yes, I, was, <laughs> I was checking it out. It got, it picked it, up. It, all you hear is this snoring. I was like, is Al going to sleep? <laughs> Had seven guests on that day. It's seven guests. And they're like, they're like, yo, what kind of show are you running? Your co-host is sleep. And I was like, first of all, he has to go to work at 2:30 in the morning. None of you. Oh, yeah, get before we started, he said he was 10 beers in. It happened. Right. So I, I can verify that the next morning there was like six open beers that none were drank. <laughs> okay, there are beers all over the place. All right, we're not gonna get it. All right, so I'm gonna go ahead and go next for my recap. So first off, my daughter started driving school, so that was interesting. It was okay. They do driving school virtually now, which was nuts to me. But she went on there. She did it. She completed it. Now. I had been teaching her driving before that day, so it was one thing. And fortunately, these kids just don't have the same drive that we did when I was back in the day. I couldn't wait. I was 15 to six months. I was at the MVA that day. Give me my learners. When I turned 16, that day, give me my driver's license. Nobody was stopping, but they, they got a, now you got Uber. They can get wherever they want as long as they're willing to pay their money and go where they gotta go. But that was that. A second of my wife went to Africa for two weeks, which was, it was a little tough because I had to be here by myself, but she said that it was a great experience for her. So I didn't, I was just like, okay. She, we had, she had did the Zenden, which is her business doing yoga to, to increase the money to get there. And all right, so we got surprise guests. My daughter is now walking down the steps. I don't know why. Because <laughs> she wants to be in the podcast. But anyway, so yeah, so my wife went to Africa for two weeks, so I had to take care of the kids for two weeks. And How was that experience? For me, it was tough. You mean for her, for Vicky? You first, and then we'll go into Vicky. For me, it wasn't. So I got great-grandparents who took my youngest and helped me out doing pickups and stuff like that. So that, that was great. But even with them, I felt, you know, this is just us talking on the show. They don't miss stuff. But I kind of like they didn't trust me with my eight-year-old, my wife not being. Yeah. And, and they was like, no, we'll take them. Don't worry about it. We got it. We'll pick them up. We'll keep them. We'll keep them. We'll take them to school tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that was, it was cool. But then I, 
while she was gone, I wanted to start, I had a mission to start walking. I had a mission to start doing the same, but my son is really my motivation when that, when it comes to that, because I want to get out there. I was going to take him to the track. He can start warming up and getting ready for what you call it, but they kept him the whole time. It did help me, did make it able so that I can drink a lot more. And I did do that. Oh, how do I did do a, a, a show with my friends from my old neighborhood. And I did that during the time I released it like a couple weeks ago, but I did go hang out with them and we had a blast. It was great seeing these guys and then just enjoying and talking, but I did drink too much. I drank that day and then I didn't drink for the rest of the week. That's how much I drank. Is that where you went missing for two days? Yeah, yeah, that was exactly. I had to get myself together because I was like, yeah, that was too much. I can't, even, I can't do this. I'm too old. Vicky came, Vicky, she went out. Yeah. This is what I'm going to do. So Vicky's a trip to Africa. She'll do a better job telling you than I can because, you know, I didn't really listen too well. So I'm going to go ahead and hold on. My daughter just came up. Trinidad. Tell your mother to get on the show. Tell her, I, I'll send her the thing. Hold on. But uh, it was a, I had a good time. And let's find out about Africa. It's my, it's our show. We can do what we want. She has the capability. That was quick. Okay, there you go. I think she's coming in. Oh, there we go. And first yeah. of all, your introduction. Hold on. To all our people out here, I want to introduce you to my beautiful wife. She's AKA the wife of Beast One, <laughs> AKA the owner of Zen, the Zen Den. Yo, she, where you're trying to get your life right, you're trying to do your stretching, you're trying to do this, you're trying to get everything, get your, your, uh, your yin and your yang. She's also a be- beautiful, gorgeous mother. Of three, she's a entrepreneur. She's an inspiration. She is a missions person that goes out and helps people, which I don't. And she is my <laughs> wife, Victoria. What's up, Victoria? Welcome to the show. Thank you. <laughs> hey, everybody. How y'all doing? Doing well. How are you? So the guys were asking me. How was your trip? First, I complained about how tough it was that you were gone because you are the most loveliest woman that I've ever met. Just being without you for two weeks, very hard. But anyway, so tell us, please tell us, how was it to go back to the motherland and be be amongst a tradition that most people don't get to experience. I think how is, how was it is such a broad word because there were so many intricate experiences that I had that were overwhelming and so fulfilling. So I can say upon arrival, we had a tour guide and as he was explaining, going throughout the airports and once we got into the van 
he said, welcome home, sister. And when he said, welcome home, it was like my heart dropped. Because before this trip, a lot of you don't know that I don't know a lot of my history here in America. So I was on a journey to really find my history. And so going to Africa was the peak of that. And he said, the blood that binds us is thicker than the water that separates us. And that spoke values to me. That was the, he set the precedent. Set the precedence of the trip. What would you like to know? There's so many things. Baby, be careful, because we do have a colonizer here. As a guest. <laughs> I don't want him to... Because it looked like he's, he wrote down a thing we've ever said, but it looks like he's writing down <laughs> notes now to make sure that uh, he can pass it on to his people. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just wondering what that, the project safety nets is. Like what okay. that. That's a great question. Project safety nets is a, a 504 company a nonprofit organization that deals with economic development, education, health. And it is an organization that was started a long time ago. Ann Dillard started the organization. Her godmother started the organization. Once a godmother was too, was not able to continue with, she took it on. And so what they do is they focus on helping women entrepreneurs start businesses, sustainable lifestyles. We also help and support those that have leprosy, start their own businesses. We give micro loans to them and we check in and see the, what the progress is, if they're having any challenges, how can we support them in overcoming those challenges. And also with Youth leadership and education, she focuses on how they can be a leader within their community, a youth leader within their community. And so she started the youth leadership and education, especially because the women in Africa, when they come on their cycles, they typically lose about 35 to 45 days of education. And so it puts them at a disadvantage as far as education goes. So we have partnered with another organization that does. I'll ask the question. When you said they come on a cycle, they come on a cycle? Is that what like cycle, say? like their period, a menstrual okay. cycle. Wow. Yeah. When uh, they come on right, their menstrual the show. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know we was going there in this conversation, but go ahead. I'm sorry. I apologize. It's so important. It's so very important. When they come on their menstrual cycle, yes, they lose about 35, 45 days of schooling, which puts them behind the men in that country or the young boys in that country. So they've developed a system. It's, it, like it's not pads because the crash in the continent is really bad. So instead of de dealing with something that has crashed, we have something that's called care packages, like it's self-care packages, where there's a cloth, it's like a cloth diaper, but it's a cloth pad for women. And, and I'm looking at your face. 
But I'm just surprised. It's 2023. Nobody's come up with something better. Yo, this is my worship and trash over there. Like, it's for us to do that. No, but I think we have your people out Our country is our country. Everything we're shipping fucking shit over there like crazy. It's fucked up. All right, go ahead. Yeah, it's still, it's a trip. It's a trip. But yeah, there's a lot of aspects of the organization that are so important. So thanks for asking that question, Alvin. Sure thing. Anybody, I got another question. If someone so, oh, you want to? You got anything? Else? Nah, you can go ahead. Right, so, all right. So, with the trip and everything you did, what was the most impactful thing that you felt that y'all accomplished while you were there? Got to pick one. Just one? Just one. Just one. Okay. Well, all right. Hey, it's my show. You can do whatever you want, my love. Okay. You can pick three. You can pick 20. Go ahead. Do whatever you want. Okay. So, for me, there's different aspects to this. So, there's the experience side, and then there's the mission side. And so for me, the on the missions element, I would say visiting the gentleman that had leprosy was most impactful for me. So hold on. So like biblical leprosy? like Biblical leprosy. There's people that right, still so have biblical I a, leprosy. Hold on. I got, I got a quick question for the fallacy. I've lived in the United States all my life. Have you ever heard of or met a person with leprosy? No. I didn't even think that existed. Oh, no, I knew it. I knew it existed, but I've never met anybody with it. Have you ever heard anybody in the United States with leprosy? Because we got the vaccines that prevent it. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. That's okay. So meeting them, they have a whole town that's kind of off to the side out of not in the beaten path. And so going to their community uh, and meeting this family that we that Project Safety Nets decided to give a micro loan to. And again, the micro loans are for individuals to start a business. And so- A micro loan, how much in American dollars would be considered a micro loan in Africa? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. All I know (laughs) is they got micro loans. And so the first micro loan that they received was last year. And so we were coming back to follow up to see what he did with that money, if there was any challenges. And so the micro loan, he used that money to buy chickens for the community. And this individual was like the elder in the community, whereas he was able to walk, other people in the community were not able to walk. They didn't have any hands, like no fingers, no feet, and we're blind. So was the whole community leopards or just select people in there? So the community was known as a leper's community. However, not everybody in the community had leprosy. 
He was married and his wife did not have leprosy. He had two kids that did not have leprosy. And those were some of the questions that we asked. If you were to marry someone that did also have leprosy, would you have children that did? And you don't necessarily have to have children that have leprosy. It could come out normally, which was mind-blowing, mind-blowing. So I don't know a lot about leprosy, so I'm confused at the conversation that a I didn't even I didn't even know it still existed, but yeah. So yeah, uh, let me get back to the story. Let me get back to look. I'm sorry. So so we gave a micro loan last year for him, and he decided to buy chickens. He would go to town again. This. Town, the leprous community was outside of Dakar. Dakar is the capital of Senegal. And so within Senegal, there's um, like street corners, as you would, you would call them. There would be lepers congregating on the street corners, just begging for money, just begging for money. And so what he would do was he would purchase the chickens and of course he harvested the chickens, they laid the eggs. So he would sell the eggs and sell the chickens for funding or for money. He would buy whatever they needed, the grain, the rice, the oil to, and bring back to the community so that his wife would fix food for the community so they could sustain themselves for the next couple of months. And he would stay in the car after the food was gone for a month away from his family, away from his kids, blind, no fingers, and no hands, that hustle is real. When I tell you that dedication hit my heart so much, and he did not complain. He said this was what he was supposed to do in his life. He had a purpose. It's a true dad mentality right there. Man, that hustle was real. It hit me so hard in my heart because... I have a, a, an ailment. I have an internal situation that I'm battling. And, but they have it on the outside. Mine is internal. You can't see mine, an invisible disorder. Theirs is on the outside and they overcome that every single day. He does not complain. His wife doesn't complain. She prepares for the community. And to see what they're up against, Walking for miles and miles with no feet, just wrapped up in tape. They're limitless. Their mentality is so strong. It's limitless. And that hit me so hard. Like even thinking about it, I'm coming to tears because in America, we have so much and we take so much for granted and everything that they have. They really capitalize on and they live their life in joy every single day. Every single day. Hey, baby. Yeah, that's powerful. Hey, you're perfect in my eyes, inside and out. And don't laugh. I love you. But not, hey, it, it, that's why I'm glad you went. That's why I'm glad you had a good time. I'm glad you hid the mission. Your heart is pure with and doing those things. So I'm so proud of you. Is there anything else that you want to express to us? Before yeah. we... 
Yeah, I want to talk about the Talibay boys. The Talibay boys are considered the throwaway boys. In many surrounding communities, they have children, but they're not able to provide for their children. The thought is that they're sending their children to to an educational boarding school. And when they send them there, they're supposed to get education. They're supposed to learn the Quran. They're supposed to learn life-sustaining skills and things like that. But there's so many people that are sending their children to this, to this school that he's unable to provide for him, for them. And so kids as young as four years old, three and four years old are sent from far away near and far to this, to this boarding school. And he can't do anything with them. So literally he leaves them on the street. They're away from their family, away from their community, don't know anybody. And so they come out with little buckets and they collect money all over the streets. And one of the organizations that we visited takes care of the Taliban boys. She's only able to do it three times a week and hopefully that will increase. But she provides a hot meal for them, education, reading and writing, and then they get sent back on the street. They do get medical supplies and things like that, clothes, and they're sent back on the street to beg day in, day out. It is so heart-wrenching. They sell whatever they can. When I tell you, you can find somebody on the street selling a carpet, selling a chicken, selling oranges, selling a teapot. They are hustle is real. When I tell you in this country, looking back on this country to see the homelessness here, it, it does not compare to the homelessness and the poverty that is in Africa that they're suffering from. And unfortunately, it's from the colonizers. Oh, what the fuck? <laughs> oh, you gotta take you gotta take credit for your people, brother. I'm sorry. <laughs> don't get me wrong, I'm like 25% colonizer. I'm light as hell, but it's okay. Look, man. Hey, you know, it thank you. I'm gonna say this so I would like to know more information about the Talave boys that you just talked about. I'm gonna look mm -hmm. at have you look into it. It could be something that even we're on Zoom. I would love to get somebody with that organization on our show that we can talk about it and have an actual have another interview about that and maybe because that dad mentality is mainly based for it's mainly based about men so hopefully maybe i can we can start our own organization to help that and that's just an idea i had right now but baby i appreciate it we do have to keep it moving Okay. I love you. One more thing. One, okay. one, one thing. Last I thing. I like okay. always one more. Gory Island. Okay. Do y'all know what Gory Island is? No. Gory Island is the island where the captured Africans went to before shipping off into the transatlantic slave trade. 
So it's the shortest port from Africa to America. To Europe. Or to to Europe or to To Europe. They went to Europe, then came to Yeah. And so we went to the door of no return. And within this home, they used to house the Africans that were captured. And they had a cell for children, for mothers, for teenagers, and then for men. So literally they separated all the families and within the children's cell, they experienced the most death um, because of disease, because of whatever you want to think it is, they suffered. And when I walked into the children's cell, it's such a sacred place. You could literally hear feel and see the cries from the babies being separated from their mother. You could see the agony in the mother's eyes. You could hear the cries. It was unbelievable. You just felt it and you just wept. You just wept. There was no ventilation. It was like a slit that was like this big, literally this big, where mothers would stick their hands through to try to find and touch their children just to get that one last touch. And they had a cell for the teenagers that the slave, I don't want to say masters, but at that time, those that captured them, the colonizers would come and rape the teenagers and create children that were considered Milano or mixed, mis, mixed race children. And that's how they started the division. The lighter skinned children would go and live in the homes. And then those that were darker skinned would live in bottom basement, literally conditions. And it's, it was just unbelievable. Like your whole body felt the spirits, the blood is crying out from the grave. It was amazing how how intense it was. And to stand at that door, to look across the shores, to know that was their last time ever seeing and knowing their home. I'm telling you, it is a must-do trip. It is a must-do trip. Now, there are beautiful elements. Yes. Also, can we end with something positive? Yeah. Now, to me, I'm like, nah, I'm good. I don't know. I don't need that that kind of stress to my life. Yeah. So there are beautiful elements, amazing elements to Africa. Everyone is so welcoming. You see everyone that looks like you. Their community. They're like, hey, my brother, or hey, my sister. Salam alaikum, alaikum salam. I learned the language, which is warlocks, and you can see that there are those beautiful structures and the homes and they welcome you and they sit in community style, eating their food with their hands or spoons. It's just so amazing to watch how much joy and peace that they have. It's, it's undeniably the best experience that I've ever had in my life. In my life. Life changing. Impactful. So impactful. So. Well, I'm glad that he 
I know you worked hard to get to this trip. I, and, I, and I'm proud of you. I'm glad that you went. I'm glad you had a great time. And thank you for sharing with us. And it was, and I'm glad, I'm just glad about everything. Life is good. Yeah, yeah. Thank, thank you all for those that supported me. I appreciate that. Everybody here supported you. I'm pretty sure everybody oh, supported you. Thank y'all. Thank y'all. Thank yeah. you so much. I couldn't have made it without the love and support that has been behind me. And yes, soon to see, you will see signs coming out and more pictures coming out just to show our gratitude for you. So appreciate it. All right. Thank you, baby. Love you. Love you. And, uh, the first lady of dad mentality is now leaving the room. Just give her a round of applause. Negative. 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 Love you. All right. So we're going to go ahead and get ready, go into our topics. So even though our topics are heavy, my wife definitely started it off. But uh, <laughs> so are you joining for some topics, baby? You saying all? Oh, no, I'm good. I'm going to holler at y'all, man. God bless your soul. All right. All right. During a break, I just want to talk about, because one of the things that we talked about a lot of times in the show kind of, was the Chris Rock special. So I'm going to go ahead and say this. A, I was excited for the Chris Rock special for a few different reasons. One, I knew it would be a time that he would finally discuss the Will Smith incident. I knew that, and then the other thing was, it was going to be the first live com comedy show on Netflix where it was 100% completely live. And that was the other reason why I was excited. So I, I brought it up in our beginning episodes to talk about it. I'm going to go ahead and start this off because I already know that my co-host going to have the same opinions as mine or, or not really that but here's the thing I gave it as a show I gave it a 3.5 out of 5 now to me was it Chris Rock's funniest one it wasn't Black and Bigger I think was the other one that he did Trombone was the one in between that but his original one Black and Bigger I think was his funniest comedy I've, I watched. In this one, I gave it a 3.5. I didn't hate it, but it was it was it didn't definitely didn't make my top 10 of comedies. But I, it did make me excited because it was live and it was something that was never done. And for him, even on Netflix, there's a lot of white comedians that I think they would have put on there who who could have done it before him, but it was him. And I was excited for him, and I. But I do feel like he he referenced. If you got to the end, he referenced the Will Smith incident and how he felt about it, and how he knew even when it happened that it wasn't about him. It wasn't about him, but it was still, in my opinion, a bitch move, which I always said on the show. I said I don't even like Will Smith anymore because of it. Because I feel it was a bitch move. But 
Fellas, how do y'all feel about it? What did y'all think about the show? Tell me how you think about the show. Give it your no, give it a number two, because I want to know that. And then tell me what you thought if you made it through the whole show. So whoever wants to go next is up to y'all. That drives terrible. Oh, okay. Man, I had to, in order to go through this, the whole show, you had to remind me to finish the show because we were just going to talk about it. Cut it off. And I, I, I watched it within the, before Netflix did the whole editing thing because he messed up a joke at the end. But I, I couldn't, I had to cut it off. Like literally, I watched what? So zero to five. Seven, I gave it point five. Like I did not Did laugh. Yeah, I didn't laugh at all. Really? God, his jokes, they were jokes, but it wasn't nothing that followed on and followed on and kept me going, but it was, I, it, it did not keep my interest at all. Okay. So, all right. I mean, yeah. yeah. yeah I fell asleep two times. Two times. That's it? Uh, I give it a one. I, I really was happy they went, and I was afraid at first he wasn't going to go after Will Smith where he made the joke about how he's pissing off rappers off and he's talking about Snoop Dogg. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, ah, oh, man, he's going to come so short. And then at the end, he went in on it. So that's the only credit I'll give him. It's hard to give him a number, but anywhere between one and two is where I'm two would be if. No, I can't give it a two. No, it was bad. It was bad. I said, right, I fell asleep. For help. Producer, producer, tell me you watched. Did you watch the Chris Rock game? I did not watch Scoot Crop's drink. I watched it, but I, 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 I said, I'm not bad. I'm lost. Uh, I, so I, look, I gave it a three point. I, I was happy. I guess I was the most excited about it anyway. I was the only mm-hmm. one talking about it. Damn, you huh? was. Booze and Chris Rock, like, this is like, his last couple drinks were okay. This drink wasn't even okay. It was kind of like, I made, wow. I made it, I made it. I rewatched it. Little. I get it. It was okay. It, I gave it okay. It was okay. It wasn't the funniest. I'm not going to lie. It wasn't. It was okay. I respected it. You know what I'm saying? But hey, okay. it is what it is. I, you want to know what it felt like? So you know how when you watch like a Dave Chappelle special, right? And he's not really telling jokes, but he's really talking about what's happening in the world. You know what I'm saying? Then he turns it into a joke. It's almost like Chris Rock started off just talking about what was happening, but he didn't have any jokes with it. Like his opinions didn't come from a... I laughed. At, no, there was parts I laughed. Like, for instance, I laughed when he talked about the Kim... Kim, the Kardashians, we talked about it. If I had to go and explain to my brother that my dad is, yeah. you know, I laughed at that shit. I don't know about you. I thought it was funny, but it wasn't as funniest. Blacker and bigger was, I think, his funniest one in my opinion. And, but it was okay. I, you know what? I, I thought it was a, revolutionary time in comedy. 
And that's where I, I left it. Did I think it was his best show or the best comedy I ever watched? It wasn't Dave Chappelle to me. It's hands down. Any of his ones are a million times funnier. But you're, in my opinion, Dave Chappelle is the GOAT. Like, he's the, there's nobody, to, him, to me, he's the Michael Jordan of comedy. Like, people talk about LeBron, but in my opinion, I'm still Michael Jordan. Let's get something straight. People feared Michael Jordan. You know what I'm saying? Nobody fears LeBron, in my opinion. But anyway, we'll go ahead and let that go, too. I don't want to go into that subject, either. So, all right, so we're going to keep it moving. We, talk, we talked about that. Next, I want to talk about, I do want to say this. I do feel like he ended that whole Will Smith thing. There's no more discussion with him about it. He said what he had to say, say and that was the end of that, in my opinion. So, but to go back, so now, next thing I want to talk about that happened over the month that bothered me was the death of Lance Riddick. And this is getting to our actual topic of the week or what we want to talk about, which is death. So Lance Riddick, he is an actor, if you're not familiar with him. First of all, one of the things that caught me by the surprise is that he died in, at 60 years old and they said it was a natural death and that kind of confused but i let that go but he is the actor from the wire he's lieutenant daniels from the wire he was on bosch he was on oz he was also on john wick what a lot of people were known from and when he died it kind of hit me a little bit anybody who knows me knows i am a huge wire fan and and The Wire, to me, is a great show that uh, he was a big role in that happening. First of all, did y'all even care? Did y'all even know that he died, or did it affect y'all? How did you feel about that? And do you think 60 is too young for natural? 60 is too young for natural. Ah, oh, shit. I don't know. Pre-existing conditions. People with heart, like my buddy that passed away not too long ago had high blood pressure and he had a heart attack at 40. I don't know. So natural would be a heart attack. Okay. I didn't think about that. I didn't think about it. I'm not gonna lie. I didn't even know what natural meant. I'm, I've been through yeah, so many things. Yeah, aneur aneurysm, freaking yeah, natural could be anything. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not, uh, yeah, it's, it ain't overdose or murder or something like that. Or suicide. This it could be anything to do with your body. It can be considered yeah. natural. But sixty being young, not really. I think we're hitting our mid forties now. We all got friends that are passing away, or people not necessarily friends, but people that we know that may be a little bit older and or our age that are dying of natural causes. He didn't seem, he had, like Alvin said, he may have had pre-existing conditions or a condition that we didn't know about. Um, I don't think they did an autopsy or they just kept it at natural and left it at that. So he might, may have died in his sleep. And I think that's what they said, but 
Yeah, it's it's crazy. You know what I'm saying? At, at that age. So now I, and dad mentality, I just wanted to say that we've all, I know we've all dealt with death and death to me is, is my personal Achilles heel. I don't deal with death well at all. I'll get it started. I know we all got a story, so I'm going to go ahead and start with mine. My dad died when I was 11 years old. And the worst part of it for me was that death. I want to bring this up because I want more people to talk about it and talk about these issues. And next week, we're going to have a mental health specialist that we can discuss that this did. But for me, that's my thing. My dad died when I was 11, and I talked to him that morning. We had a full-blown conversation. This is my dad. We had a great relationship. He was excellent father so i didn't have the pre-notions of anything wrong or anything's going on or things crazy this that and other i talked to him that morning i went to school two hours later i'm getting picked up from school and they are trying to convince me that my dad was dead and and it really affected me for a very long time. Because once when you're 11, first of all, when you're 11 years old, I don't feel like you can really process it. And for the longest time, I always thought my dad was coming back. One day he'll just show up, you know what I'm saying? And it took me to probably, I mean, when I turned, when I was 18 and I was playing at football and I had this parent day and I was like, this would have been, this is the dad, my dad, this is the day that if my dad is still alive, he would come to and nobody came. And then I also remember my graduation where I say, this is the day if my dad was still alive, he would come to And nobody, you know, my mom did come, but it was a difficult, very difficult point. And it took me to the point where I had my children where I realized that he was never coming back. I was never going to see him again. And and that was tough. It was so tough for me. And after that, my mom passed away. That was tough. But my dad was the longest. That was the number one for me. And I don't deal with death. I don't like funeral. I don't go to I, I don't go to a funeral. I've only been to since my dad and my mom passed away, I've only been to one funeral. One. And that's it. That's it. No matter who it was, and I only went because that woman meant a lot to me. And that was Vance's mom. That's the only funeral I've ever been to since both of my parents passed away. I've never been to any oh, two, sorry. I've been to another one. My wife's brother passed away. He was like a brother to me. I did. I, I went to his. But, you know, that I did go to his, and I'm not going to say, I, I, of course, I had to go, but that he was a brother to me. That was, that, those two, that, that was tough, too. But I was there. I had to be a support person. I couldn't even be upset. I had to sit there and, and take care of my wife and her. You know what I'm saying? But... I went to Vance's mom. She was a, like another mother to me. And then that was it. But those are the only two. I don't do them. I can't. And I tell people, even when 
I, my mom passed away and I invited people to my mom's funeral. I told them, if you come to my mom's funeral, doesn't mean I'm coming to your parents' funeral. Doesn't mean I'm coming to any of your funeral. Doesn't mean I can't do it. I'm not, if you want to come, but I can't do it. I don't, I'm not the right person you want here. Luckily, I've been blessed and this, that, and other, and I've made it through that, but it, it has always been a struggle for me. So I wanted to have this discussion and just see how do y'all, what do you think? What is your event or have you had an incident with death that a, changed your life or you, you feel different or how do you feel? What do you think? So anybody wants to go next, you want to just... <laughs> I think the hardest, of course, the hardest death I dealt with was my mother. I think, uh, unfortunately, I was able to, you know what I'm saying, watch my mother. My mother died from breast cancer. I saw the transition in before death, you know what I'm saying, up to her death. And I think a couple different things that kind of, it helped me be able to deal with when she actually passed. Going through that transition of, you know, saying the chemo getting sicker and sicker and until she's unhealthy. It made, when, it, when she actually passed, it made it a little bit easier. I think that everybody mourns differently. Me as a person, it took probably about I say two or three years for me to cry over that. And part of that was because of the preparation, because of what I saw her going through before she died. I made a lot of mistakes in those years too. You know what I mean? That probably didn't have me kind of thinking. I probably was I probably thought I was thinking straight, but it was a lot of just different decisions that I wouldn't have made had I been, you know what I'm saying, not internally like processing my mom's passing. Um, so that was probably the toughest one that I've dealt with. I deal with death pretty, I deal with death pretty well, I think, just because I am, I do believe in Christ, so I do believe that you'll see him again. But I can't, understand how everybody has just their different ways of handling it because sometimes when you lose people, when you lose them and how you lose them, I think impacts your reaction to death. Me and my mom were really close. Rodney can attest to that. It's like losing her was tough for me. So still is to a certain extent to this day. All right, I do want to go back to something you said. I'm going to let everybody go, but I do want to go back to that because yeah. I'll wait, but okay. I'll be easy. You want to go next? Yeah. Honestly, like the mental health thing that we do at the beginning is, is I lost a friend and an uncle to, to mental health. So people that you would never expect the most outgoing people that the ones that don't, that, you know, use not the 
funny, but down you see some people that are like really upset. You're like, man, they look miserable. But these people were like, man, these people are on top of the world and and they commit suicide. You never know. But yeah, I don't do that. I don't go to viewings. I've been to one viewing and I couldn't even get within 200 feet of, of seeing that person. So yeah, I lost a lot of good friends and I probably look like an asshole not going, but I can't do it. I don't do it well at all. Okay. Hey, I can't. But just give us it give me a little bit more. So you're saying you had two friends commit suicide. Uh, yeah, and I'm calling a friend. Actually, the friend tried to commit suicide, ended up living through it, and then died of a overdose, but got through it. it was never right after that point. And then my uncle no one ever knew my, my, I guess, step aunt, it would have been, or went into the kitchen and then came back and like, he had taken all his pills and died on the couch while she was in the kitchen. But yeah, never, never would have guessed. So how do you feel you're over it or do you feel how long? Oh, you feel that? Go ahead. Yeah, no, I could have the one that, that my, my friend that tried to commit suicide, he called me randomly. I haven't talked to him in years. Ever since I had kids, I kind of grew away some, from all my friends, not just a certain group, but this was a dude's house that his parents, didn't, they would go out of town on Friday and Saturdays. We just go over there and cook all day, like 10 people. So we were there every weekend just grilling and having a good time through high school, outside of high school until I had my kids. And then I just randomly one I think my son was like six. He hit me up and then I didn't answer. I was just too busy with my kids. And then two, three days later, I got a message saying that he shot himself. Mm. Yeah. So that was rough. But then finding out a couple of years later after everybody got back with him, talking to him, and then no one really knew that he started messing around with drugs and died of overdose. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. It definitely, like I said, the, the mental health thing is big. Mm-hmm. I, you know, people die of natural causes. That's, it still hurts just as much, but not wondering if you could have helped. Yeah. I mean, if you, especially if you missed the phone call, you think about the phone calls you missed or this, that, yeah. that, that maybe that had just like, maybe if I, you know, that, then you can't, but you can't take that on yourself, man. It, that, no, that's no. Tough. no, this is a tough conversation. That's tough. It's tough. Yeah. yeah. Tough conversation. All right. So, producer, what's up? What's up with you? You got any, Everett? You got something for us? Because I know, oh, I know you. Go ahead. Let, tell your story too, man. Because death affects everybody, but we don't talk about it. So, I just want you to tell your story as well. Yes. No, my family, especially the one that live in family in my house, right? It's always been kind of like this tight knit club that we had, right? Of course, have your cousins and your uncles and your nephews and everywhere else. I was raised by two wonderful women, two wonderful males who just taught me how to do everything, right? Unfortunately, in that group, 
the only one person still around and my mom. I was able to get my sister before my dad left and go one. But yeah, so I bring up the tight knit group because, you know, these guys taught me everything I know. Like, for instance, the one who just passed last year, last month, was my brother. And the only reason why I'm in this room talking to you guys right now is because yeah, he taught me how to do the podcast thing. He taught me how to do social media. He taught me how to do marketing. He taught me how to network and talk to people and go outside your comfort zone to get the thing you want. Get real personal. My brother, how can I put this? I grew up in a family full of men who appeared to be alphas, but weren't, right? They had, they all had the stigma of this is what a man is. This is how you grow up. This is what you do. Unfortunately, maybe putting words in some of the mouths, but doing drugs and going to jail and having a whole bunch of women who had your kids and thinking doing your virginity at this age and those type of stigmatisms were all passed down on farm to me. And the only person I ever wanted to be like was the six foot four gay man <laughs> who grew up with me my entire life, right? And the lesson that he taught me outside of what genuine, not genuine, but like what, what appeared to be manly were just huge, right? Because taking care of your family is the thing that make you the man the most to me, right? There, there's no other step, there's no other requirement of man besides this is my tribe, this is what I take care of, this is what I do to make sure that they eat and breathe and drink and live there every day. And I make sure you guys are all right. All that stuff got passed down to me from him. Unfortunately, in, what was it, 2019, he got diagnosed with stage four lymphoma. 2020, we had the pandemic, of course. He was in Mount Sinai Hospital for the entire pandemic. Oh. He could not let him out. No, okay. He wasn't in the distance to be out, but my brother was just in the hospital then with his cancer while this virus who was killing a million people in this country it is going wild. And then he had fluid in the brain, which affected his ability to talk and walk. And eventually he just, that was, the fight was too big for him. I would say passed away, but I say all that to say like, throughout all of that, he'll have these conversations with me privately. And of course he's emotional. He's crying. He's scared. He's trying to figure out what's what, what was next. He never been this before. We dealt with this with my, my grandmother and her dementia, my father and her and his drug use friends and suicide, whatever else, but it's now his turn to look deaf in the face. With me, he's crying. Me, he's telling me how scary it is. And from my other family, strong, strongest face 
to see. I, no, no matter what, I'll be all right. But I don't want you guys, you're not going to look at me cry, so you guys don't worry. That's the kind of person he was. Um, when he passed, we dealt with my father passing, my grandmother passing, my uncle passing. There was no other pastors. It was like the monarch leaving. The king, the king has been dethroned. And now we're looking for a new person to lead us. And unfortunately, just like how when my father passed, I was, had to become a father to my sister at the days of 11. I became the leader of my family without any crap or discussion or like yours now. Like, well, it's like World War II. With yeah. You're the lieutenant and then the colonel dies. And that's yeah, the exactly. You're in charge. You what just happened. You're yeah. like, hold on. Yo, I and just now, none of that. Yeah. And now all this weight that wasn't on me is now on me. And it's, whoa. You know what I mean? Oh, this is everything that, that he did. And I, and you weren't even talking. I didn't know no idea that we didn't have enough money to pay the mortgage at one point. At one point, I had no idea that the reason why we kind of overhouse is because he gave my mother like half of his his student loan money, his student loan check. You know what I mean? I like things that are being revealed to me after his passing. And the thing that just I talked is whoa. Like I, I had no idea that your foot was so much was so deep in this mud that you are basically a post here now. And now you've been uh, uplifted. Now there's a big hole in the ground and nobody knows what to do now because the foundation is falling. Um, but you know that every lesson that he taught me led me to where we at now. Like the, like I said, the fight for what you want to not take no for answer, no matter who you're in front of, what you want to do, but it's not negotiable. You gotta go get it. My, my brother would make a hundred thousand dollars on his couch doing marketing, not going to an office. He would go on vacation and work. No, he said, if I'm going to work, I'm going to be, I'm going to be a friend of this beach. No, I mean, I'm not going to be in the office. I'm not going to, not, I'm not going to slave eight hours a day for somebody else to get rich off me and I'm not going to get nothing. You know what I mean? With everything that I'm building now, is it based off the back of and the insight of him? And the one thing I look at it as, is, wow, I really wish he was here so he could do this with me. But I cannot let the fact that he's not here stop me from doing it. And that's how, that's where I'm at now. And that's how it affected me. It took me about a good year. I had to take the last year off, basically. I wouldn't go to any parties. I wasn't hanging out. I wasn't, I wasn't planning on doing much. And it really was able to put me in a position where I'm more comfortable and more open. Even speaking about it, we did this podcast August last year. No, no way. I wouldn't be up for it. I'd be like, all right, right I'm not, I, I can't go on this life. I'm not. Strength is, strength is strength, yeah. brother. Yeah. Every day I thank him because even with everything I said, the perspective I have about people is different because of him. Mm. 
not judging books by a cover, not because wherever your orientation is, not because wherever color you are, not because of what you believe in religiously or personal or personally. Who are you as a person as well? Not looking people now because of him. And every day I wake up and be part of my prayers. I thank him. I eat to the ashes are with my grandmother's at Natural Harbor. I'm fortunate to have a job where I have to drive past every day as I get to say hello to, to him and her every time I come home. And no, like, the, I was going to have a support for him too because I'm trying to believe his friends called me now or the advice they would have got from him. Mm. Because he know, they didn't know that whatever he told me. Rodney, that conversation we had about us doing this podcast, trust and believe that's the same conversation he would have gave you. Mm. Every, every, everything he told, everything I told you, he would have told you the same deal. Yeah. He would have charged you, but he would have <laughs> told you the same thing. <laughs> but yeah, no, I think about him every day. He's just nowhere in his house where I don't have a picture of him. In my office, he writes me my computer, I go out there, my lovely girlfriend, child to her, about her, I don't know what I would have done when this had happened. I have a great mural that she made for me based off him out there. I have a car, he's in my office, he's a screensaver on my work, work computer. Because I know I wouldn't be here without him. I would be just like the rest of my other family members. I'd be in jail or drugged out or something. It was my brother. I will, I will end on this, and this is what got me through. I watched the election from Biden, of course. I think it was Joe Scarborough who said Biden said this about his son, but he passed. The memory that made me cry today made me stop. And I heard that and I said, yeah, no, no matter what, that's, that couldn't stand true regardless. So. Mm-hmm. That's my distance. Oh, hey, that's some strong ass too. Yeah. I'm gonna lie, dog. You hit, <laughs> you hit some great points, brother. Thank and I'm this uh hey man, we all got stories, and I'm just happy to have a platform where we tell it. So I had a guy today, I, I was playing online today, and I didn't record this. I wish I did, but he he talked to me about his person. I told him ahead of time that we were going to talk about death and talk about the things. And I'm going to get this guy on the show eventually because he does have a story to tell. But he told me about, when I told him my story, he was like, yo, my story is so similar. I'm glad that you made it through it. And I'm going to tell you your story and your brother and your family, man. Here's the great thing. We're all, we all have dealt with death and I'm glad we all making it through it. One of the things I did want to talk about real quick, and I'm just going to make it quick, is what Vance brought up is that if you're a Christian and you believe in God and you believe, I know his mom and I know my mom, I know they were going to heaven. They were exceptional women. And they were exceptional women of God. You know what I'm saying? But the thing that bothers me is that when a person tells me I should celebrate, it kills me. I'm like, Yo, you can't tell me what I need to do. Don't talk to me about what I should do. I This is my journey. You know what I'm saying? This is mine. And I understand the theory, and I 
wanted to discuss it, but what's the, and then the thing about it is when I die, I don't want nobody sad. I want them to celebrate too, because I did everything I've always wanted to do. And I'm, and I am a man of God and I do believe what I believe, but even though I still wouldn't tell no one to not mourn the way that you need to mourn. When I, I hated it when I was at my mom's funeral and they was like, you should be celebrating. I was like, mm, I don't know. <laughs> no, that's my mom. I would give up anything I got in life, money, value, just that, to have one more sit down, dinner. But both of mine died. In, the most, I didn't have that. So both of mine died and I didn't know. They, I woke up that morning and it was gone. But I would have given up anything to have one more sit down with them. The, you know, to, to tell somebody that this is celebrated to me is something that I just never understood. But I just wanted to get that part out. So we're going to go to our last topic, fellas. So the, the last topic is if they, okay, so. We've been talking about death. If there's a music artist that has passed away, what artist would you feel would be the most influential in music today if they were still alive? Name, name the artist that has passed away. Do you think they would have did it? Why you feel that they would have been most influential? And this is an open discussion, so we are allowed to interrupt each other and say whatever we got to say. I'm not going first this time. Who has a music artist they want to start with that they think will be the most influential if they were alive today? I can get you one. Okay. Everett, go ahead. Tupac. Okay. Hmm. All right. And the reason why I say Tupac because I'm looking at Kanye West. And I see all the things he does on Twitter and social media. So, unfortunately, this part, we get to interrupt you. <laughs> So first of all, you messed up putting Tupac and Kanye in the no, same. Let me let, let me let me get right to the end. I'm all right, right to... I'm sure. hey, you got to get big quickly. Yeah. I got you. I I'm not a Kanye. I'm not a Kanye West fan. So I got you. Go ahead. I, the thing what he had done with social media and Twitter and whatever else, right? I can only imagine Tupac with a Twitter account. Oh, I can only imagine him with a Twitter account. Could you imagine the things he would say? Say a lot of true stuff, but go ahead. Yeah. Say yeah. a lot of yeah. political stuff too. Yeah. yeah. But it'll be, he would utilize his platform for more than what any of the artists exactly. today util- could be utilizing their platforms. Exactly. But the big difference between Tupac and Kanye is that Tupac had the Tupac had real hood backing. I don't feel he has that same backing that Tupac would have had because you know Tupac hit a mur- be the murder charge. Tupac, yo, I don't know if y'all, I don't know how much you know about Tupac, but the cop, but <laughs> the cop, this book, this book, this mentions the cop when Tupac was shot. Came up on him. He was still alive and said, who shot you? Do you know what Tupac said to the cop? F you, pig, or something like that. 
Fuck yeah. you, yeah. bitch. Yeah. 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 Do you know who you should? Tupac fuck you, pig. Hey, man, come on, dog. Tupac is old, OG. Man. No, I wouldn't. You know, I'm I wasn't comparing them to all because. But I'm just saying, but he would have, but he would have that real. That yeah, for sure. Me, Kanye. So then, but it, the thing about it is, you're looking at the hood portion of Tupac. Like the difference is that Tupac would have changed things on a political level than most people aren't willing to step out there on. Tupac would have called out a lot of people. Yeah, Tupac, and I would look at JT like, "Why you campaign with her? Like, like why that that? Yeah, and he would have been." Ex- he would have been exposing yeah. more people mm-hmm. there for what they, for who they really are. Yeah. Both both rap artists and utilizing a platform to politically uh, to change things. So who, is your, was your vote Tupac too? That's who you No, were my vote was not Tupac. Come on, let's go. My vote was Sam Cook. Okay. There you go. And the, the reason being is is there's a reason they killed Sam Cook. You understand that Sam Cooke owned all of his stuff. Well, you know what I'm saying? He was already crossed over on a different level than any artist of his time. Have you seen the two comings of Sam Cooke? That happens. Yeah. He was on a whole different level than any artist of his time. And a lot of people don't understand that when, like, you will say, when he died, and they didn't explain why, how, where, you know what I'm saying? He just got shot. Yeah. So, wait, we'll be in a hotel room. Just Yeah, man. There's reasons, there's reasons behind that. And it's because he figured out what the game was earlier than what anybody wanted any of us to figure out what this game, what the music game was really about. And or just not even music, but just life in general, business, money. Uh, music is a, a big money game. Yeah, music news. Yeah, but, but he was already ahead of it. Yeah. He, he was well ahead of it. And that that would have been my artist. And I'll say some other things once Alvaz goes. But uh, that, well, first of all, I'm, oh man, I want to I know Alvis isn't going to say it, but I would love for him to say Elvis right now. But go ahead. No, he's one too. <laughs> I would love <laughs> it, but I know he's not because Alvis, you know, but that would be hilarious. But go ahead. Yeah, no, sorry. Sorry to let you down. But no, I was on the fence with this because I, I was going to say Biggie, but I'm like, man, you can't really. It's like you bring Biggie in, you got to bring Tupac in, which I'm glad ever. Brought Tupac up. Biggie changed the game for the East Coast thing, but I'm like, damn. Aaliyah changed a lot too. And that was one that was just like too young to die. She was like, was the princess of R&B. And she brought, I mean, she changed, went from R&B to like the pop. I would love to see the the Aaliyah versus Rihanna versus Beyonce. Uh, (laughs) What would have happened? But hold on, I want to go back to Biggie before you go because I do have a quick question because I feel that 
If Biggie had never died, there wouldn't be a Jay Z. Nah, that's not true. Bigger than Jay Z. Nah, Biggie was bigger than Jay Z in the beginning. Yeah, but they were the biggest way. But, yeah. but, they, but, but the thing about it is, it was, and they were about to yeah. take over the commission. The oh my God. They were about to like take it. They, they were. Yes, no. It would be worse. Big me and Jay. That's it. Mm-hmm. Hold on. Yeah. <laughs> no, they would have got it. Biggie had. Biggie was about to have him. He's about to, he's about to have him, Nas. He's about to have all of them. Charlie, Charlie, like, Charlie Barkmore, 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 yeah, but yeah, I was gonna say he could die. Charlie Baltimore, it was, it was Jay Z. Oh, I mean, I bought something. Uh, no, that's what I thought. That's why that's like producing it now. Jay Z was part of the commission, he was about to, yes, slam something. The commission, he did not name he, he was Slim Shady Slim. No, no. Iceberg Slim, Iceberg Slim. That's yeah. what he, who he was. That's who Jay Z was. I do remember Iceberg Slim, but that is Jay Z. Yeah, yeah. I love it. And you're right. Okay, that's the case. I lost that. I was like, no, he wasn't. I'm talking about. There's a great, there's a great mixtape out. I forget who made it, but they branded Jay-Z and Big together on a bunch of songs to show you what the commission would have sounded like. I see, I see, yeah. I, I got one that would mixed up Tupac and Biggie in a bunch of songs. Yeah. But no, nah, I was just saying that to me, okay, I still don't think if Biggie was alive, Jay-Z wouldn't have been as big as he was. Biggie would have got more. Mm. Biggie, Biggie was that rapper. I don't care what you said. They, they would have got, got busy. Don't get me wrong. I'm like, the competition between Jay and Big would have been all down high. They might even like eat like playfully to, to because of the better. We're but we're gonna go to the colonizer, Alvance. Biggie's still alive. Jay Z is big as he is. Answer. I honestly don't don't think so. Yeah, I'm crazy. Yeah. I, I think it would, it would have been Biggie. Nas, Biggie. Yeah, I think Nas. Biggie would have. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Y'all do y'all understand. Y'all do understand. Y'all I'm do understand that, that Jay Z's albums were released. Some of his albums were released around the same time as Biggie's. Okay. Oh, like Jay Z was neck and neck with Biggie. The only reason Biggie had it. Wait, wait, wait. What you say? Jay Z. So Jay Z's best album is the Black Album, then Reasonable Doubt. That's but reasonable doubt was released. <laughs> but what you understand, reasonable doubt was released around the same time as Ready to Doubt. I get that, but so, so, so Doug, which you the only thing that, that made the, the only thing that made Jay Z Biggie bigger is because he was beefing with Tupac. Okay, at the time, that's the only mm-hmm. thing. No, no, the only thing that made Biggie Biggie was hitting hits. Biggie. Yeah, they had his, but Jay Z just came out. Jay Z just got released. He was running the game before before Jay Z even got into it. Really, the best thing that happened for Jay Z was Biggie's dad. That is my comment. That's why. Stick to it, and I don't care what y'all say. That's a wild take. Yeah, that is. That's a super wild take. Ah, it's not wild. It's true. I'm telling you, he wouldn't. Jay Z would not be Jay Z. 
But let me ask a question. What would stop? What what would have stopped Jay Z from not being Jay Z if Jay Z had big in his corners? Just big in New York. Big in New York. But that's business. But if I'm your friend, I'm gonna be right there, step by step with you. I got something for you. Puffy ain't wrote a fucking hit. Not one. He ain't write one. He writes checks. He's still the biggest person in New York under his label. Name somebody bigger than Puffy under his label. Bad Boy? Name somebody on Bad Boy. That's big. Okay. They probably Bad Boy right now. Here's the thing. If it wasn't for Biggie's dad, Jay-Z would never have got that big. There's no way. There's no way. Jay-Z would have made sure. If you had said, if it wasn't for Tupac's death, I might have gained that, but not Biggie's. Tupac Tupac went L.A. It was yeah, but Tupac like, would be on with. So if Tupac got big out uh, here, next Jay Z would next was was next month. Let's stop with the, here's the thing, man. This his thing. I don't do ifs. Okay, so my thing you is are, you're doing an if right now. Part. But anyway, uh, but the thing is, Biggie was bigger. As far as East Coast, there was nobody bigger than Biggie. Yeah. He was number one. Because and, he didn't exist. And then, huh? Jay Z didn't exist. All right, here we go. Name one Jay Z album better than Ready to Die right now. The Blueprint. Easily. No, Easily. No. Oh, what? <laughs> and the Blueprint is shorter. Oh. Oh. <laughs> and the Blueprint doesn't have any features. No way. No. They had zero features. And he wrote it well, and he wrote it in two weeks. No way. Okay. The blueprint is not the blueprint is not the best Jay Z album, so I don't can't even tell you. Is the, the black album better than the blue, blue blueprint? Yeah. I don't know what's up with you, y'all. The blueprint, perfect. The black album is not better than blueprint. Well, this was a job interview. I don't know if you're gonna be here for next week's episode. That's amazing. You brought it out. I'm good for the You saying that the blueprint is better than Black Al? Was his partial was Aaliyah? It was Biggie, but then I was like, I was like, yeah, I was saying, oh yeah, 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 like yeah. I didn't say my person. I didn't say who is your person? Prince, easily Prince. I want to go into that Prince. Yes, Prince. You know my thing is Prince just died last week. It wasn't last week. I feel like so my thing with press is well, I didn't even get to tell my story yet. We're gonna chew it up. That's why I did. <laughs> Wait a second. Wait a second. First of all, I come prepared. Mm-hmm. So with Prince is this. Prince made a made artists aware to own and have their masters. Now, if Prince has still been alive, artists are still struggling with that. The thing is, you have artists who are well-known now who are rich and famous and still don't own their masters. The one thing about Prince, he was preaching that, he's been preaching that since the 80s. And the thing is that the longer he lived, the craziest thing, so even in Prince, and then you can even talk about Michael Jackson, not with the raping kids. You know who Prince got it from? Sam Cooke. Josh, but you just like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's why I was impressed by Sam Cook. I let it go. 
But, but here's the thing. Prince refused to work with artists who didn't own their masters. He made it a lifestyle. Yeah, like, he wouldn't work for Nas at all. Yo, if you don't own what we're about to do, then I'm not working with you. I'm not giving you nothing if you don't own it. And even Michael Jackson, one of the greatest things he did was that Eminem made a comment about Michael Jackson and he bought Eminem's masters. How gangster is that? Like, mm-hmm. son, like the thing that people need to start learning now is that you can't sit here now and make music and be an artist and don't own your shit. Own it, like for real. And for me, if Prince was still alive, there'd be a lot more artists. It'd be a lot more stronger about owning your masters and doing your own thing. So that's why my opinion is Prince. Now, go ahead, rip it apart. Let's see. What no, you I'm not worried apart. I'll just say that the most, the more important lesson and that what Prince is saying is to own your masters. Yeah, but also know what to do with your masters. Yep. Like you can, you you, you can. Royce the Five Nine. He's a Detroit rapper. Nobody. Right. Here, Detroit, no, Royce the Five Nine. We're not retarded. No. <laughs> um, he says 100% of nothing is nothing. So, mm. you can own it all you want. You have no idea what to do with this thing. You don't, what's the point? You might let somebody else have it. Oh, yeah. And then you make money off the back end. But right. you don't know what to do with it. It's pointless. That makes sense. My big, my biggest thing is this: is that if you really take a look at just the music industry as a whole, everybody that stood for something was taken out, some shape, fa- fashion, or whatever, including Alba's boy Elvis. Yeah, yeah, but, I was gonna say Elvis. Elvis like, I, I mean. Very- you go back to, you know what I'm saying, and, and somehow, some way, it's always a tragic ending. Whether it's an overdose or a shot or whatever, or death, Michael Jackson died because he took too much medicine. Something was going on to where, you know what I'm saying? His doctor gave him too much. Right. But either way, pr- the way... Same, same thing. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like... The ones that are on the brink and not falling in line are the ones that magically end up getting taken out. That's just the world. That's the world that I think we live in. Isn't the story that Elvis died on the toilet, toilet eating the double cheeseburger or something? No offense. I ain't gonna right, but that's, he had the munchies from too many pills the doctor gave him. Yeah, true. Nah, I'm not. I'm gonna let that go. But that's like that in the industry all around. It's a lot of that's what I mean. Yeah, crazy deaths and even there's big theories about we do the Twitch mental health check and there's this theories about Twitch's death that is nuts. It's it, it, it death is a crazy thing. I'm gonna go ahead. Oh, I'm going ahead and we're gonna end it here for the show, fellas. Unless any, does anybody else have one more point they want to make? If they do, that's good with me. Other than that, all right, we're good. All right, we're going to go ahead and end the show this week. 
I appreciate everybody coming out. I appreciate our new producer, Everett. Thank you for your input and being a part of the show. I'll pleasure, pleasure. My man, coach, my man. Hey, look, fellas, I don't, like I said at the beginning of the show, I miss y'all. I'm great. I'm happy. Let's, I do want to hype a few things before we go. One, next week's episode, we'll have a mental health specialist in, Sergeant Garrett. I'm excited about having him in here and having your questions. If you have any questions that you want to place to us about Sergeant Garrett, you can send it to us at dad underscore mentality at yahoo.com. We also have dad underscore mentality at email. We are also going to be on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And and every, what else are we going to? What's our next steps for the show? Tell me what we're doing, brother. Oh, uh, man, we all over social media, YouTube, Facebook. We going to do some TikToks and do some reels. We got some some other thing coming up. So we're calling some things. You're going to get some clips of this show. We're going to we just going to do it all and do it funky and try to get a rhythm. So not to get too much out, but hey, yeah. it's all about fun and games. It's all about the dad mentality here. Oh, and I am streaming on Twitch. So. There you go. You're going to catch my stream between 5 to 7, Monday through Friday. You, you can catch our bands on there, too, with me and hear us argue on a game. We out here to save the world on Call of Duty. We're not playing out here for these dubs. You want to see these dubs, you hop on call. You hop on Twitch, and you're going to watch dubs. And I got more of the group from the people that played with us through the video, throughout the episode 10 of season one. I want to appreciate everybody here that, that, that has joined me in this journey. We're going to hit a lot more hard subjects this week. We got Gwen Fasted You never heard of this woman. She was hilarious. We got more things coming along. Hopefully, Runaway Boys. We got some other people coming up. We wanted all done this bad mentality. And thank you. Fellas, we out. Let's go. All right.